Hello and welcome to the Brookwood Church Sunday Message Podcast. Today we begin a new series called Promises and Power. The series will focus on Israel capturing the promised land, guided by a new leader, Joshua. Today you'll hear Senior Pastor Perry Duggar sharing about the requirements of spiritual leadership. He'll examine Joshua's life to help us learn how to be a better, more godly leader. Today's episode is titled, Leadership. Today we began a new message series entitled, Promises and Power. When we trust in the promises of God, He gives the power, He provides the power to accomplish His plan. That's kind of what the, the theme and the title of the series means. The messages will focus on Israel's conquest of Canaan. Canaan is known as what? The promised land. Today's message, entitled Leadership, will concentrate on the transition from Moses to Joshua directing God's people. Now, we, you know the story of Moses. I think most of us have some familiarity with it. But Moses guided Israel for 40 years. Under his direction, they escaped slavery from Egypt. They traveled across the wilderness. They reached the Jordan River, which bordered Canaan. Then God removed Moses and replaced him with Joshua. The theme for today's message is found on the top of your your, um, outline. Therefore, and this is God speaking to Joshua, the time has come for you to lead these people. You know, from a mountain, Moses was allowed to see the land that Israel would receive. But he would not enter it. Do you know why? He rebelled, he struck the rock, yes, both of those say the same thing. Numbers 27, 12 through 14. So what did he do? You know, it wasn't that Moses struck the rock because, you know, he had struck a previous rock. Did you know that? And water poured forth. So what was the difference? He disobeyed because God told him to speak to the rock. The previous time, he told him, strike the rock. This time, God told him, speak. Have you ever known God to change directions on you? And do you hang on to the ones you prefer? Because God's shaping. God's shaping. That's Numbers 20, verse 8, when God said, speak to the rock. So let's look at Numbers 20, verse 10. It's on page 131 in this Bible available at Brookwood. Chapter 20, beginning at verse 10. So God told them, gather Israel. And they did, beginning. Then he and Aaron summoned the people to come and gather at the rock. Listen, you rebels, he shouted. Must we bring you water from this rock? Then Moses raised his hand and struck the rock twice with the staff, and water gushed out. Skip to verse 12. 
But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust me enough to demonstrate my holiness to the people of Israel, you will not lead them into the land I am giving them. Boy, that's a loaded statement, isn't it? You didn't trust me enough to demonstrate my holiness. I wonder what that means. What do you see in this passage? Does it look like Moses is taking credit for producing the water? It does. He clearly disobeyed God's direction, but what does it mean, the holiness? Remember, remember what I've told you holiness means? It doesn't just mean well-behaved. What does it mean? It means set apart. That's a good definition for it. It also means other. God is different from us. And had Moses, I wonder, become too familiar with God so that he just took it on himself. God's holiness says God is separate. God is different. God's power is sufficient. God always does what he says. God is faithful in all things. And you can extrapolate anything I've suggested, but you may see your own ways that Moses dishonored, misrepresented the holiness of God. And God would not let him remain as the leader acting that way. Now, if it had been, a, what if you were standing there, you took the rod, you know, you struck the rock, God said this to you, what would be your impulse? What would you do? You'd say, the water came out, it worked. Oh, Susan, you really, you would have not even been able to see the promised land. <laughs> if you, you want to you argue with him, no, 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 you're not even going up on the mountain and seeing it. But, but does anybody have a better answer? <laughs> what would you have done? You struck the rock. Ron, what would your impulse be? Regret, yes. And our regret is usually expressed how? Apologizing. I think, I think most of us, <laughs> rather than confronting God, most of us would actually apologize. <laughs> and wouldn't we? I mean, Rowdy, what would you do? You'd apologize. We would beg, wouldn't we? We would plead for forgiveness, I think. Moses did none of it. Striking, isn't it? You know what he did? He asked God to name his replacement. He knew. He, have you ever known that? I've gone too far here. You ever felt that way? Maybe even with God. I've gone too far here. Certainly in other relationships, I've gone too far. I've presumed too much. I've offended too greatly. Verse 16 in, verse, in uh, Numbers 27. Turn over just a few pages to 140. 
at verse 16. On 140, yeah. And let's begin there in, in the latter part of 16. Moses said to the Lord, please appoint a new man as leader for the community. Give them someone who will guide them wherever they go and will lead them into battle so that the community of the Lord will not be like sheep without a shepherd. Did you know Moses had two sons? But humanly speaking, a lot of times we've, we want our children to take over for us, right? Sometimes Moses got confused about who was leading Israel, it appears, even in this instance. So we might have understood if he'd said, well, you know, I've got two sons. Surely one of them could take over. He didn't suggest that because he knew this was God's choice. God needed to choose who would lead his people. God knew the future. God knew what was in people, his own people. God knew what qualities and experiences would be necessary. But more importantly, boy, we go to experience immediately, don't we? More importantly, God knew what depth of faith, what level of trust would be essential to lead Israel into the future he had planned for her. Verse 18, and the Lord replied, take Joshua, son of Nun, look at this, who has the spirit in him. In this day, the Spirit would come, would empower, would leave. Only a few possess the Spirit long term. David said, don't take your Spirit from me. But here we see God saying, Joshua has my Spirit. And lay your hands on him. Present him to Eleazar the priest before the whole community and publicly commission him to lead the people. Transfer some of your authority to him so the whole community of Israel will obey him. You know, as I, every summer, I don't know if you know this, but I, I plan for the year every summer. And in praying and knowing what would be happening this year, I chose or God chose, appointed or confirmed. It's kind of sometimes not clear whether he's first, I'm first, he confirms it. I question but I knew to preach this, this passage because we will have a change in leadership this coming summer. Now, unlike Moses, God hasn't told me that my ministry is concluded. But I will move to a different role. And Brian Jones will become our senior pastor. He's asked me to remain on in, in some roles and I'm honored to do so because I'm not, I'm not ill. I haven't struck a rock. <laughs> I haven't argued with God. <laughs> but, but, 
Am I getting some back talk over there? <laughs> and so Brian has sold his house in Dallas, and around Dallas. He has been here looking for a house. He hasn't found one yet, but we anticipate Brian arriving with his family is sometime late January, early February, and he will serve as a member of our staff until next summer, at which time then he, he will uh, take my, my slot and I'll take a different role. But we want to, as we look at this passage, we want to consider requirements of spiritual leadership that this passage reveals. Because all of us, if we're believers, all of us are practicing spiritual leadership. We lead different groups. It may, be, it may be a church, it may be an office, it may be a family, it may be a group of friends. We certainly all, occupy, all practice spiritual leadership in this community. So all of these principles apply to every one of us that possesses the Spirit and all that are born again do. So the first requirement is a relationship with God. And we go to the, go to the book of Joshua on page 179 in this book, in this Bible. Chapter 1, verse 1. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, and that you see that in the last chapter of Deuteronomy, right, which is the chapter before Joshua 1. The Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun. He was from the tribe of Ephraim. His original name was not Joshua. It was, does anybody know? It was Hosea, which means salvation. Moses changed it to Joshua, which means Yahweh, the name of God, saves. Numbers 13, 16. And he was Moses' assistant. And he said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land I am giving them. So why Joshua? Well, Joshua did have some relevant experience. He'd been a military commander in Exodus 17. He had accompanied Moses for a while. He would remain at a distance, but he climbed up part of Mount Sinai when Moses went to meet with God. He, he served in the tent of meeting, again, while Moses met with God. And he would represent Moses in Moses' absence. So he had some practical experience. Joshua was one of 12 men that was sent into Canaan to scout the land. He was one of only two men that gave a positive report. Who was the other one? Caleb, Caleb only two. And they were the only two who said, yeah, it's a wonderful land. The other men said, oh, it's occupied by giants and we'll be like grasshoppers. We can never conquer them. Joshua and Caleb said, no, it's a wonderful land. If we trust God, we can be victorious. And you may know this, but out of the entire generation, only Joshua and Caleb were allowed to enter the promised land. Did you know that? The rest of the generation died off in the wilderness. And that was because of their unbelief. And so that was one of the reasons that they just stayed in the wilderness because it didn't take 40 years to cross the wilderness. But Joshua's greatest qualification was not his past experience. 
It was that Joshua knew God and possessed the spirit within himself. God made a covenant promise with Abraham. You can find it in Genesis 12. And there were three primary elements. He would receive a family. Abraham had no children at that time. His descendants would be a great nation. He would receive a blessing. Israel would be blessed and they would be a blessing to the world. Speaks of the coming Savior. And they would receive a land. A literal land for Israel, but it speaks of heaven for us. And conquering this land is the focus of the book of Joshua. And so we continue in verse 3 of Joshua. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set your foot, you will be on land I've given you. From the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north. From the Euphrates River in the east to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. Including all the land of the Hittites. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. For I will be with you as I was with Moses And I will not fail you or abandon you. But it's interesting to note. This land was given to Israel. But they had to conquer it. See, we've been promised many things. You ever thought, well, God's given me, you know, he, he saved me. He's forgiven me. He said he's going to bless me. He said I'll inherit heaven. Why do I have so much hardship on earth? Anybody ever thought that? God never intends to remove all that because it's in the hardship that we trust. That we grow to know God, to know ourselves, that we're prepared to be with him in heaven. At verse six, be strong and courageous for you are the one who will lead these people to possess all the land I swore to their ancestors I would give them. Then he says it again, be strong and courageous. You think that would be a warning if God told you that twice? Anything that's repeated twice is something you should really pay attention to. But it wouldn't be real comforting to know that courage and strength would definitely be needed. Then God gave Joshua his most important instruction. Verse 7. Be careful to obey all the instructions Moses gave you. The Hebrew here says Torah. And the Torah refers to the first five books of the scripture written by Moses. Do not deviate from them, turning either to the right or to the left. Then you will be successful in everything you do. Study this book of instruction, which is a focus primarily on Deuteronomy, the laws of Deuteronomy, continually. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Do we meditate on the scripture? Do we follow it without veering to the left or to the right? 
do we know the scripture and then make up our own minds about what we'll do? This is my command, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Joshua, you see, had, had heard God speak. I'm sure he could recognize the voice of God because he had been nearby when God would speak to Moses. The scripture says God spoke to Moses face to face as a man speaks with his friend. But here, God's speaking to him. And you know what? I don't think any of us are ready to lead until we can hear the voice of God individually. It's not enough that our wives can, our mothers can, our fathers can. It has to be you. You have to know that he knows you you, and know where he's called you and hear the promise that he'll never forsake you. When the scripture didn't tell Joshua what to do, he consulted God directly. You can look back at Numbers 27 here. And it's on page 140 if you want to flip back there. Just trying to lay the background for all that would happen here. In verse 21, when direction from the Lord is needed, Joshua will stand before Eleazar the priest who will use the Urim, one of the sacred lots cast before the Lord to determine his will. And this is how Joshua and the rest of the community of Israel will determine everything they should do. You know, for us, instead of following our own ideas and opinions, are we willing to seek and obey completely God's instruction? Instruction from his word, instruction he, he receive, we receive in prayer through his spirit. And if you don't know where else to turn and you can't find it in the scripture, the scripture isn't specific enough on the point, then consult other godly people. But are you willing to do it God's way? Folks, our culture, I, I, you keep hearing me say this, but, and I'm sounding the alarm, as, as Joshua is going into the promised land to conquer it, I think, I think we have failed. There may have been a time when, when Christian morality controlled this nation, but that time's long gone. And so we're called to reassert Christian morality in our culture. Not, not through battle, but through influence. See, the point here, as we get back to leadership, Joshua wasn't Moses' choice. Joshua wasn't Israel's favorite. They didn't take a vote. Anybody see a vote, a ballot box passed? He was selected by God. And I think we can be confident going forward 
in new leadership here in our church because here's the point. We, we, we had three wonderful candidates, two that we knew very well, wonderful, godly men that study, that are wise, that have uh, deep faith and character. And so humanly speaking, we would have certainly chosen one of those wonderful candidates. Our team, which was a, there was a transition team, there were trustees, there were staff people. I joined the team after David moved to Texas. So I wasn't there in the first year. I was part of it in the second year, but I committed not to vote in, in, in the cho choice. But the group was committed to praying and fasting and seeking God, even despite our own preferences. And so, you know, we never debated and discussed the relative merits of the candidates. We never had a single conversation like that. We interviewed. You had seen, you know, two of our candidates on our staff have preached many times. Um, Brian Jones preached once. That week, we took a vote, a secret vote. Again, without comparing the relative merits, 10 people cast ballots. I didn't vote. Jerry Fry didn't vote. He still doesn't like that, but he didn't get to vote. <laughs> but he has a permanent position for life. But <laughs> and the vote was unanimous. Though many of us work with one or the other or both of the other candidates. So we have confidence that God has chosen a leader. God knows what's ahead. He knows what the, he wants this church to become. And he gave us the one to follow. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't depend on your own understanding. Boy, that might ought to be in, in all capitals right now. Don't depend on what you think you know. Don't depend on what you prefer to happen. Don't depend on what you would choose to do. Seek his will. In all you do. Anybody see any exceptions there? That includes our work. Not only our faith, our work, our family, our parenting, our friendships our business propositions. And he will show you which path to take. A spiritual leader also demonstrates responsibility for his people. Back to Joshua, page 180. Joshua then commanded the officers of Israel, go through the camp and tell the people to get their provisions ready. In three days, you will cross the Jordan River and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you. See, these people, remember, they'd been there 40 years. They had fought battles. They had, they had obtained some possessions. They had livestock. They had things. And so Joshua understood the practical needs of the people. He made sure, he told the, 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 the folks that were over them, the officers, 
to pass the word that everyone would be given time to gather their possessions, round up their livestock, get your supplies, get ready to cross the river. You say, well, why is that so big? Because I've known and I expect you've known people who led by their own ego, oblivious to the needs of others. That's not a spiritual leader. A spiritual leader is aware of the people and cares about them. They, they, they know the needs of the people and the leader will attempt to address them. Our church is unique because we're aware of the, the wounds, the hurts, the needs, the issues in our church. And that's why we have a large staff committed to meeting those needs. It's not enough to just sing and hear a sermon on Sunday. It's not enough. That's oblivious to the, the deeper spiritual, emotional needs of people. So as pastors, we need to know both from contact and intuitively what to preach. And as parents, you need to know what to say to your kids. But you have to know them. And then we see that Joshua challenged the people to work together to attain what God had promised them. Verse 12. Then Joshua called together the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. Has that statement ever confused you? Well, here's what happened. Okay. All, they had all these livestock. These two and a half tribes asked Moses if they could stay on the eastern side of the Jordan River because there was pasture land, grass. And they said, can we stay here? And Moses said they could stay there, Numbers 32. But then it continues. He told them, Remember what Moses said to you, commanded you. The Lord your God is giving you a place of rest. In other words, secure borders and peace. There weren't enemies on that side. He has given you this land. Your wives, children, and livestock may remain here in the land Moses assigned to you on the east side of the Jordan River. That's referred to as the Transjordan tribes. But your strong warriors, fully armed, must lead the other tribes across the Jordan to help them conquer their territory. Stay with them until the Lord gives them rest, as he has given you rest, and until they too possess the land the Lord your God is giving them. So these people, even though they could live on the east side, their warriors had to come with the others and join the battle for land. What in the world does that apply to us? Here's how it applies. Okay, do I get permission from you to say something that may be not very culturally current? How about it? I want to know. Y'all ready? All of God's people must work cooperatively 
to accomplish his assignments. Okay, well, th- well, that didn't hurt. Well, I'm going a little deeper. We all need to follow God's directions when raising our children. That includes exposing and eliminating destructive teaching that's popping up in our schools, even in Greenville County. We all together need to resist immorality, yes, in our church, first, also in our community. We can't say it's not my concern. Someone else will do it. God has revealed it to us. And you know what? Together, we can raise families and influence And we're going to certainly have sex even before we live together because we want to see if we're compatible. Let me tell you this. You aren't compatible. (laughs) Two two, two sisters are never compatible. Two people committed to Christ. Well, I don't know if they're compatible. But they're committed to work work at it. Work out it. You know what? Statistics tell you this promiscuity, uh, cohabitation, raise the, the percentages of divorce. They don't lower them. Well, I can't tell my child that. Yes, yes, you, you owe that to your child. And you know what? Your children, if you live godly before them, your children perhaps will follow. Can you force it? No. You can teach it and you can lead it. But here's the problem, see. I have children, well, I don't have children now. I've got grandchildren. But you know what? If my grandchildren visit your grandchildren, I need to feel like they're going to hear in your house what they'll hear in mine. I need to feel like what you turn on your television wouldn't be different than what they would see in my house on my television. That's the way we conquer a land together together and you know what we can only do it together well wait a minute but we're doing this we're doing get it straight and God will help straighten it out and God will help that's why as a church when we do marriages we we do counseling and people can't be living together and we don't, we're, I'm not talking about being condescending. I'm talking about being lovingly helpful. 
when I help you walk with God, I'm loving you. If I turned a blind eye to where your life is because I don't want you to reject me, that means I only care about me. I'm not caring about you and your marriage and your home and the relationship you're trying to forge. Some can say, oh, you're being cruel. You're being judgmental. No, no, that's not. Expressing wisdom isn't being judgmental. Because it's not about sin. It's about wisdom, godly wisdom and obedience. You you see the difference? Are y'all tracking with me or are all y'all just mad and saying, I got to get out of this room? Because I need us to reason together. We need to move together. We live in a nation that's becoming ever more coercive against our values. We must stand together. I'm not talking about fighting. I'm not talking about screaming. I'm, not, I'm talking about wisely influencing others. Will we do our part? Will you do your part? Well, I'm in too deep. Well, then climb one step out. No, if you're down in a hole, you can't jump out today. But you can climb a few feet out. And you can move a little bit more toward what God wants from you. And I can see people here, and I've known you where your life was way over here. But I look today And that life is right where God wants it. Now, maybe it's on the way. But how much better is that? Not in a spirit of condemnation, but in a spirit of affirmation that we help each other. And together, we influence this community. But you know what? Y'all can't influence this community if everybody knows I've got a secret life and you've got a secret life. And somebody over here has got a secret life and they're leaders in the church. Nobody cares anything we say. But you pay your bills, you honor your spouse, you raise your children with dignity. And people go, there's something different about that guy. There's something different about that woman. A spiritual leader also will receive responsiveness from people. Verse 16. They, and this is, this is all of Israel, not just the Transjordan tribes. They answered Joshua, we will do whatever you command us and we will go wherever you send us. We will obey just as we obeyed Moses and, and may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Anyone who rebels against your orders and does not obey your words and everything you command will be put to death. Now, I'm not suggesting that. So be strong and courageous. Well, why did these people commit to following Joshua? They were convinced that he was chosen by God, that he would be led by the Spirit and the Scripture, and they trusted him. Leaders, especially godly, Christ-like leaders, cannot demand compliance. I know we've, some of us have grown up in church with tyrants preaching and, you know what, that's just someone displaying personal anger. I don't have any control over any of you. 
Sometimes I don't have 100% control over me. So any pastor that thinks or any leader that thinks, and that includes a parent that thinks they can demand compliance is foolish. Now some tyrants do intimidate people into obedience. But the people that are coerced into place will always look for an opportunity to undermine and resist and rebel against leaders who fear, who use fear to control. I had that kind of father. I don't need to tell y'all, I was an extremely rebellious young person, but out of view because he was, he could be vicious. People, including family, decide to trust and follow. And they follow you because you display faith and character and fairness and you're motivated. They know you're motivated by their best interest, not your own ego. This church wasn't built out of my ego. This church was built by all of us working together. And that's why it doesn't sit on my shoulders. And that's why we can have new leadership because God built the church and he'll continue to build the church. And I'm just going to be one guy handing bricks up. You know, you know, y'all know this quote. If you think you're leading and no one's following, you're just taking a walk. <laughs> if, and so if people refuse to follow you, if you have the courage, ask them why they won't follow. And that includes your children. If your children are rebellious, ask them why do you resist me? Humbly, humbly. They'll have to trust you enough to tell you. But they, I think they will. And you're, whether it employees, or whoever you're influencing, you see the resistance, ask why. And as you do, ask God to reveal in you the reasons others won't follow show you what needs to change. I can tell you this, asking questions is far more compelling than offering orders. And that's every setting. Because an answer opens up. And to control a child, you have to get inside the child's mind. When they're little, you can handle their bodies, you can move their bodies, but I've got a 16-month-old little Sprite. Y'all saw her up here. She, we couldn't control her on this stage Christmas Eve. I mean, she doesn't even come to my knee. But you know what? I'll go. With my sweetest face. And she goes. She's 16 months old. She can't even talk. But... She'll feed me crackers with her semi-clean hands. <laughs> She'll crawl across me as long as I don't try to grab her. Because you know what? Even this small child, I can't control what's happening inside here. But spiritual leaders figure out a way 
to get inside those they're leading because they know what their needs are. They care about them. They try to support. They try to identify. They try to reach. They ask questions. Ultimately, that little girl will come to me. (laughs) We'll have counselors here at the front. They'll be here to pray with you, to talk to you, to anoint you with oil for healing. Pray for us as we continue this series that we would all have the courage to face issues that we would together begin influence in this community. Start by bringing someone to church that needs some help in their lives. Father, we thank you for your word. Help us to be leaders like Joshua. Let us, Lord, influence our community as Joshua conquered that land. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for coming. Thanks for joining us for this podcast today. This week, pause to refocus on God and ask Him these questions. Father, what practice or habit will help me refocus on you? How do you want me to change my view of you? And ask God to soften your heart and help you respond to His direction. On next week's episode, we'll continue the series in Joshua, Promises and Power. To prepare, read Joshua chapter 2. You can watch a video of this week's message, listen to worship, or even search through our message archives. Visit brookwoodchurch.org media or download the Brookwood Church app. And be sure to subscribe to this podcast to stay up to date with the Promises and Power series. Thanks for listening and have a great week.